Ghostman Horror Host here. Reunion. Bob Tourette. Removed his black Ferrari. So he was directly in front of the doors of the old Carbonville Inn. He hopped out, handed the keys, and a 50 to the valet, who looked at him very impressed by the car. The kid couldn't have been more. Then 17, leave it right there, Turret said. Out front, where everybody can see it. A large banner hung over the entrance of the hall. Happy 25th reunion. He entered the hotel and looked in both directions. A place had become shabby over the years. The rug in the lobby was threadbare. The floor needed waxing. Two lights were out in, on the chandelier in the hallway. The bar, ballroom was in the back on the left. He remembered it from when he was a kid in his father's company. Had the Christmas party here. He stopped in the entrance and surveyed the scene. Several people looked in his direction. A couple pointed and whispered. They made him feel good. They recognised him. It was like the revenge of the nerd. But where was she? A, a poultry middle-aged man sidled in the Trent's direction. Larry Bereski? He struck his hand out. How are you doing, Bob? Bob, Larry's hand was sweaty, his eyes desperate. It took Turret a moment to focus. Larry Bereski, kid, you always chosen next glass as recess, right before Turret. I'm fine, Larry. Doing well. How are you? I'm blessed. I recognize you from your photo. The one in Fortune magazine. Remember? The man with the Midas touch. Remember that? Turret looked around. He was uninterested in talking with Larry. Do you happen to know where Laurie Donito is? Turret asked. No. Who is she? I thought she planned this thing. Remember, she was a senior class treasurer. But says he took a blank look. Got a blank look. I'm on the planning committee, he said. I don't remember her. She wasn't involved in planning this reunion. Anyway, I can tell you that. I need to find her. I was supposed to be to be present with some sort of board. Turned, turned and walked back to the, the crowd, scanning for Lori Dorento's Bereski, followed along, beha- long, along behind. Certainly, Bereski said. A ward, of course. That makes sense. He trailed along, two steps behind Turret. Maybe this evening I appreciate it. We would talk for just a minute. Mano, mano, but it's, he said, I've got a real good business deal in mind. The numbers all add up. It'll make us both a lot of money. Percy rubbed his thumb and fingertips together, apparently not to make sure that Threat understood. You're talking about money. Bersky was just the first of many Jerry and Owens. A high school quarterback had an idea for a sports camp. Two guys had ideas about residential developments. Another had a concept for a shopping mall. Apparently he'd never heard of Amazon. A woman wanted a donation, so you wouldn't have to cut the music program at the area's schools. Turret wrote her a cheque for a grand. She didn't try hard to hide her disappointment. Turret stopped my, spotted Mike Wilson, the point guard on the basketball team. Wilson had dated Laura for years. He knew where she was, but when he asked, Wilson gave him a long, hard look. Laurie died ten years ago, he said. Accident on Route 91, big old wreck. An 18-wheeler, very sad. She's dead. 
Wilson eyed him as if he was exceptionally slow. Dead? Turret repeated. But who the hell has been calling me? Don't know. But it sure wasn't Laurie, unless it was a spirit from beyond the grave, or something like that. Turret scratched his head. She said I was supposed to receive an award for, well, I'm not exactly sure. Some sort of alimony thing. I suppose that would make sense right. Sense right? Wilson slowly nodded his head. On account of you being a big success and all, he said, Sorry, I don't know anything about any award. You should ask Larry Britsky. He's on the planning committee. Turret headed towards the, the bar, feeling confused. The 25th reunion was the first he attended. He was a Harvard Business School for the 5th and couldn't get away. He was working with Goran Sachs in Paris at the time of his 10th. He was getting involved from his third wife when the 15th rolled around. He was spending quality time with his lawyers. And five years ago, ago a time in the 20th reunion, he just started to rent associates as working in 18-hour days. He surveyed the room. He hadn't missed much or got not going to those other reunions. The woman had all put on on £50. The guy is £17. All the talk was for their kids, sports, grades, college. Their people like their lives for their kids. Probably because their own lives had turned out so dismally. Until the losers, the ones who stayed behind, were here. The ones of ambition and courage got the hell out years ago and weren't coming back. He saw a blurt, tall, lean bad guy eyeing him. He was already scragging beard, a long grey hair, down back in the tiny tail. Turned it turned around, probably another loser, looking for a handout. He made it a mistake. He shouldn't have stayed in New York and got him some work done. Score a little blow, maybe to call soccer. Just looking at this crowd, was getting him depressed. He had only come for the award, and now it looked like it was really it wasn't one. He had been conned, and why? What was the angle? After his third burp and water, he decided to call it a night. Then he felt a tap on his shoulder. It was a guy with a ponytail. Bob Turret, don't you remember me? The man said, leaning forward. Graham Kane. Gerald Kane. Turret stared back. Jerry? That's really you? In the ever-living flesh, man. This, this is great. It's amazing, Turret Pauls. But you weren't even in our high school. You moved away in third grade? That's right. I ended up marrying Cindy Lewis a few years back. She was our grading, in our graduating class. You remember her? Not in the least. Sure, Cindy, of course. Since she got, she got an invite, I tagged along. Thought it had been fun to see how everyone turned out. So how long have you been? Has it been? Turret thought for a moment. Thirty-four years. Shit, that's a long time. What are you doing with yourself these days? I work on Wall Street. I own a hedge fund. That sounds really great, Kane said a little loudly. Hedge fund? That'd be your Ferrari out in front, I suppose. You bet. What are you doing with yourself? Working near Iron City. Same old, same old, he paused. Your wife come with you? No, I'm not married. Three times loser, I'm afraid. Kids? No kids either. No wife, no kids. You always were the smart one. Crane checked his watch. Man, look at the time. Have to go. Got a bit of a drive. We told the sitter we'd be back by twelve. 
Jesus, that's too bad. Would have liked to talk some more about the old times. I'd like to spend more time, but what could I say? Family calls, he pulls. Wait a minute. Tell me something. You like to hunt any chance? I haven't been known to do some hunting in my time. Truth was, he'd been on safari in Africa three times, killed a big five lion, leopard, elephant, cave buffalo, and rhino. Other rhinos didn't were, hadn't been strictly legal. He'd also hunted correct bear in Alaska and grizzly bear in the Canadian Rockies. The last one got him on the clover on the modern counter. There was nothing he liked better than stomping through the wilderness, a rifle in his hand and a trail of the big game. He didn't say anything to Gary. It might sound like he was bragging. I'm, go, I'm going deer hunting with my brother tomorrow, Greg said. Why don't you join us? Give us a chance to get, get reacquainted. I'll pick you outside the hotel at six without thinking. Tarot said that sounded fine. The next morning he was on the sidewalk at 5.45. The air was chilly damp. There was a strong breeze out of the north. The stars had their Christmas decorations up. Still, downtown Carbonville was a pretty damn depressing place in the bleak winter. Probably a damn depressing place. In the middle of the summer, a pawn shop was across the street. It had been a drugstore when he was a kid. He'd seen kids getting milkshakes there and reading the comic books. A dollar store was on the corner. There had been a hardware store. Further down the street was a payday lender. Tote recognised the company's hedge fund. Held a 20% stake of 140 locations in 11 states. One of his best investments, payday lending. Like a license like to print money. You can't go wrong with 400% interest. He struck his hands in his tweed stacks with his leather jacket and city shoes. He wasn't dressed for hunting. They have to stop at a sporting shop store, get some clothes and rifle and some ammo. He was trying to remember some of the things he did with Jerry Crane when he was little, but the memories were just out of reach. Bike riding, little league, Terry was some, wasn't much good at baseball. He hadn't made many good memories at little league. Hanging out of his, out of his houses. Actually, Terry remembered very few kids coming to his house, other than for birthday parties. But that was all right. The old times would come back once they started talking. A battered Ford F-15 extended cab pulled up to the curb. Jerry Kane climbed out of the passenger seat, dropped the seat back. Hop in, he said. We got the back to all yourself. Tara clambered into the back seat, which was covered in old newspapers and aluminium cans of cardboard boxes. Recycling, Kane said. We're big on that, you know. Save the planet, global warming, all that shit. Another man threw thick beard, beard, brown beards, heavy set of blue jeans, and a demon jacket set to the driver's seat. You remember Mike, my little brother, Kane said. Sure. Actually, Turret had no collection of all, Mike. Mike grunted. Both Crane's brothers had their rifles resting between their legs. We're going to need to stop, Turret said. Pointing at Crane's gun, I need to get a rifle and some dry clothes, shoes. Don't worry, Crane said. I know a place where we can get you fitted out. Is there a waiting? Isn't there a waiting place period for getting a rifle? Nah, nothing like that. It's a check. 
take a few minutes when you buy your gun. That is unless you've got a felony conviction. You haven't got a felony conviction, do you, Bob? Mike sniggered. What are you getting? How about getting a hunting license? Says us. Don't worry about it. I'm friendly with the rangers in these parts. It looked the other way. That's probably one to even check. A pickup headed out of town. Soon they were on Ridge Road, driving along the edge of the Ridge Valley. Slid down below with scars of half a century. A strip mining of alien landscape. Grey, treeless, lifeless. On the other side of the valley, a couple miles away. Were remains of a steel mill squatting like a giant toad on the horizon. There's the old mill, Brian said. I'm surprised you didn't tear it down, Bert said. Been idle for decades. Maybe they left it for, for a monument to man's greed. It served its purpose this day. Yes, like I said, man's greed. That was the purpose. You're not arguing with me, are you, Bob? No, I've just... It's always just about the bottom line in that, at that place. I remember the day that my old man came home after being fired for that damn meal. Where did you... Where did that come to? I looked away at that window. There was a ba- that was a bad day, all right, Crane said. Mike grunted. Did you know it was actually your father who fired my father? Crane said. Tony didn't look, didn't like the direction the conversation was going. Crane's voice had taken a permanent whining growlity. Tony said, no, I don't. Didn't. My father never talked about his work. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sure you, as shit fired my old man. Who else would have done it? My father was a shift ma- manager. Your father was a plant manager. One who could do the shit killing for him. These were hard times in the early days, 80s. Failure and competition. Yes. Yes, hard times, Crane said, pointing that out the window of, at the meal. It's been hard times as long as I can remember. It was your father who did all the firing at the mill. Whole town was scared shitless of an old man. That's why nobody liked you. One reason, anyway. What do you... When my old man got home that night, he cried out his eyes, just like a fucking baby. Only time i seen him cry. Sad things to say. See your dad cry. Mike grunted again. I'm sorry, Turret said. I don't know. I didn't know about that. Yeah, you're sorry, Crane said. Really sorry. We ended up moving on to Montego, West Virginia. My father got a job in one of the mines, making a third of the money he made before. Hated it and started in the mines. It was like he never made made it anywhere his whole life. Believe me, that's a lousy feeling. I know about it. Crane sat up, scratched back stretched his back, picked up his rifle and with bolt action, scooped. He oily worked the action to a couple of times and inserted a magnesium magazine. He started we started drinking and more, Crane Crane continued, examined the rifle, got fired. We had to move again. After that it was downtime sparrow. Ended up driving his pickup into a bridged apartment at ninety five miles per hour. Coroner said it was an accident. As nice of him but we knew the truth. I'm sorry, I never knew to it, said. We're going to we need to stop, Mike said. What for? Like I said before, I need to get some clothes and a rifle. You're right, Crane said. We have a gun for you, and it's in the back somewhere. Turret glanced along through the small rear mirror window. He could see in the bed of the truck was the junk and garbage. 
Not much traffic, Turret said. Is it, is it, it being deer season? I expected to see a lot of cars and trucks out. I need to tell you, Crane said. Deer season ended last weekend, silence and truck. I guess you're wondering what this is about, Crane said. Turret didn't see anything. It was me that sent you those invites and reminders, Crane continued. Had my girlfriend make the calls. But it ended with Laurie Dorado. I picked up her account. Although Adur is dead, no way you get in touch with her. I messed everything up. I was hoping and praying you'd come. My prayers of answer turned didn't say anything. There's no way you could get out of the truck. You trapped back here. Why are you doing this? He said. It makes no sense. It is funny watching you going straight around looking for Laurie Dickinson, looking for your stupid damn reward. What is this about? Turret said, almost shouting. Take it easy. I'm getting there. It was six months ago. I needed. I was taking my daughter in for doctor's visit. She got a hole in her heart. Needed surgery for her bear. It's very bad. But I didn't have enough dough. Why, you did, why didn't you just use your health insurance? Craig laughed. I haven't had that in a donkey years. Not since I got laid off from my metal fin- refinishing plant. Back when the business got relocated to China. If you don't mind me asking... What's, where's your daughter got to do with me? Hold your horses, bucko, like I said. I'm getting there. Oh, so, and sitting in the doctor's office, flipping through his magazines. Well, ugly mug I'd ever see, but yours. Right there on the cover of Modern Hunter. You were kneeling next to a dead bear. Yeah, I remember. I thought it was the same guy. I knew it at grade school. I read the article, and lo and behold, it was. I look again at the cover, and a custom-made rifle will figure out it costs you the best part of ten grand. Then I think about the hunting trip, and how it probably cost us as much. Not such as my uh, surgery, my little guilt needs. Mike turned off the hi- highway and into a gravel road. Leafless trees, branches brushed against the side of the truck, gravel crunched against the tyre. We're almost there, Crane said. He pulled into clearing and stopped. Crane pulled up, put Crane out a rifle in each hand. Come on, he said. Get out, end of the line. Turret stepped from the cab, looked around for a way to escape. You're not going to get away from this, he said, slowly backing up backing up to the gravel path. Whatever it is you're planning, Crane swung both the rifles so the barrels were pointed at Turret's chest. I think I know what I've been planning, he said. I'm going to get away with it. Nothing can connect you with me. People saw you in the room last night. They saw you talking with me. Tell the police. Nobody recognized me last night. Why should they? Crane's been gone for decades. I'm going to shave off his his beard. I'm going for six months. I'll shave my head. I look like I did do on my driver's license. Nothing like I do now. Turret looked at the Mike grinned. Snickers, people saw you pick me up. They traced the license plate. License plates were covered with mud. Wasn't anybody out about this time in the morning? Yeah, I'm getting away with this for sure. Got a buyer for your Ferrari chop shop. I figured out you were a couple thousand in the wallet or back for your hotel room. A Rolex on your waist will fetch ten grand in a auction. I'll sell your credit cards to a guy I know. That'd be 50000 Rose Giver. Just enough to get my little girl in the surgery she needs. 
If it's the money you want, I can rewrite the check for whatever you need. Crane's eyes narrowed. A check? You'd find it funny. Cash is when the banks opened on Monday. Crane laughed. Mike shook his head. We got plans for you, Mike said with a sly grin. Plans? Craig said, let Max attack the terminus. Don't find one. Mike's gonna stuff you. I mount you. Lots of folks will get mounted deer or mounted moose. We're the only ones with a mounted edge, Bud And Mike giggled. Every Labour Day, we'll say a toast to your honour, to, to the working men and the women of America. You can't be serious. I'm pay, I'll pay you anything. A million dollars, more. Name a price. I'll make you rich. You don't get it. This is how it's going to be. I cannot be bargained with. I'm a sporting man. I'll give you a ten-count start before I start the flowering. With that rifle, I'll be a city duck. I'm giving you a chance. Otherwise, I'll just shoot you where you're standing. Where, where, as away we can, one. Listen to me. Ah, Crane lifted the gun, pointed the barrel out of its head. Two, turret turned. Spun his head from right to left. He shook off in the direction of the main highway. His flag down a passing car. Then he'd be safe. He counted, he counted in his head. Three. Had to get off the gravel path in straight shot. Needed just some t- trees between them. Four. Strike right turn. He leaped over the tree. As he landed, his foot slid. He almost fell backwards in the mud and regained his balance. Five. His thick stand of trees was a hundred feet away. He zigged to the left and sagged right, remembering to keep his head down. Six, this is practical to broke. They're going to a little fun, that's all. He'll make them pay, them pay when he'll get back to New York. His lawyers will go to town, Lara's crane. He knew. They never knew what hit him. He heard the distant click clack of rofer bolt. Seven, he ducked too late and the tree bunch right. Rage sharply across his face. He tasted blood. Eight. We, we could feel the s- slight zero, zero on his back as it was burning a hole. Under fifty feet to the trees, he'll never make it. Nine. He felt like his lungs explode. Not much longer. He'd be safe. Ten. I think this had been this had been all jokes after all. But then the sound was shot and bark from one of the nearby trees. Trees flew in the air. He, he missed by a good inches. The guy was allowed his slots. He heard laughter. Had missed and purposed. It didn't matter. Only 20 feet to the trees. He staggered forward almost there. And again, the tree faint airplane. Click, click, click on the rifle bolt. And then, explosion is pain in his back. Curls through his body, he fell face in first into the mud. He lay there grasping into the air, a taste of wet dirt in the mouth. He reached out to a body, t- reached out a hand, tried to pull himself forward, but he had no strength. Voices approached, missed a heart lung shot by two inches. Still, not bad, pretty near a hundred yards feet away. And a moving target, yeah, he ran pretty good for a short guy, that guy. Shouldn't you be putting him out of his misery? So. The sound of the rustling through leaves. No, let him suffer.
unspeakable. You're dead. Ghostman, horror host. Darren and his friends Stacy, Tom, and Judy later hang out in an old abandoned plantation. Tom, just a mile from town cemetery on Halloween night. They like to party and tell ghost stories until dawn. Darren decided the next time they went back to the plantation to what they always done for years to do what they always done for years is surprise his friends with an Ouija board. And maybe this time may be different. He would could not have been more right. The following Saturday was Halloween, so Darren called his three friends on the phone and said he was surprised that he would tell them about the when they arrived at the plantation that night. At midnight, Darren and his friends all piled into their cars, with excitement on their faces, bowing down the old country gravel road while a storm was brewing out into the distance. The closer they got to the plantation, the more intense the storm got. Darren's friends arrived about ten minutes before midnight, but Darren wanted to be the first one there to set up the orgy board, so had arrived fifteen minutes before his friends did. Darren placed a Ouija board on the dusty floor of the plantation, with candles lit around the Ouija board. Stacy, Tom, and Julie finally arrived on time, just as the rain was pouring down on their cars. Everyone got their umbrellas out and dashed out their vehicles and up the steps down to the plantation. Darren had heard his friend's car pull to the plantation. So he greeted them all at the front door to let them in for the big surprise. Stacy and Tom shook their heads, shook off their umbrellas, and Darren said, Come on in, I will show you my surprise for you. They all approached the study and went inside. There, lying in the middle of the dusty floor, with candles all around it, was a Ouija board. Darren said, Well, what do you think? Judy chimed in and said, Are we board? It's just a dumb, stupid game. You don't make... You don't think... Don't you think? Judy chimed in and said, Are we board? It's just a dumb, stupid game. You don't make ghosts appear. I don't know. I, if I'd known in advance, I wouldn't have got out in the stormy weather. I just stayed home and watched TV, Tom. Stacy agreed with Judy. They'd all headed to the door, front door of Patricia to leave, but the door locked as they approached it. Darren said, Hear me, I'll make a deal with you. If this Ouija doesn't bring forth any ghosts, we'll, we'll, we'll break it out, we'll break out a window and leave. Everyone agreed, they came back into study and sat down, sat around the Ouija ready for a night. They would never, never live to tell about. Question after question, they joined. It was asked to Ouija board. But just as Stacy was ready to get up and leave, Julie chimed in and said, Let me ask if it, this question. Was someone murdered in the plantation? Slowly their fingers pointed to the moved wooden pieces across the Ouija board, spelling out the word. Yes, Julia immediately leaped up in panic and ran straight to the, out of the study 
to the front door. Crying in fear, desperately tried to unlock the door. Tom rushed to her aid and Julie ran into his arms for comfort. Tom tried to reassure her that he was just a game that he never heard of. Anyone that believes in such nonsense to be hurt by it. Julie laughed and said, maybe you are right. Tom looked, took her by the hand and the two returned back into the study with Stacy and... Darren were patiently waiting for their return. Then Tom and Julie were about, were about to sit on the dusty floor to ask more questions. Unusual, a faint voice of a little girl was saying, Peek-a-boo! Julia started trembling and Stacy said, I'll check it out, maybe it's a ghost. Huh? Huh? Julia chimed in and said, That's not funny. Stacy replied, I'm sorry, it was just a joke. Stacy followed the little girl's voice to a room, down the dark hallway, but before he left, Darren handed her one of the candles that was used to, light, to give light to the Ouija board. Stacy slowly walked through the dark old hallway with just a light, bit of light from the candle to guide her on her way. Stacy slowly turned the door knob and was leaving to see on the other side of the door an innocent looking girl that looked lost but things were not always as they seemed as she was about to find out surely surely the little girl laughed and said peek-a-boo you're dead stacy didn't have time to scream or act to the little girl anyway before a dark figure was standing right Behind the little girl, swinging an axe, cutting Stacy's head off, clean off for its shoulders, sending her head flying across the hallway, knocking against the wall. Tim looked at the others. Stacy has gone a little, little too long. I think I'll go and check on her. Julius cried and said, Be careful, don't worry, said Tom, in his shaky voice. Darren handed Tom a candle light his camp way down the hallway. Dark hallway, the closer Tom got to the room where Stacy was hearing the little girl's voice. He also heard the words of a little girl voice saying, Peek-a-boo! Tom's hand was shaking as he tried to study the candle. So it wasn't not, wouldn't go on where that just felt, that just felt behind him was Feet behind him with Stacy's head lying on the floor. Tom's shaky hands slowly turned the door down, crying, calling up for Stacy, asking if she was in there. But no, not her answer, just a little girl's voice saying, Boogie Boo! As the door slowly swung open, the little girl's hands were covering her eyes, and Tom asked the little girl, Where is my friend Stacy? The little girl's slowly opened her hands of her face, her eyes glowing red, and she shouted out to Tom. Peek-a-boo, you're dead, laughed at the darkness. Peek-a-boo behind her and swung the axe, sending his head flying off to his shoulders into the hallway next to Stacy's severed head. A little girl came out of the room and picked up the two severed heads off the floor, and the dark figure with the axe followed behind her, a study where 
Tom, Julie and Tom were waiting for their friends to return. The little girl was saying, Peek-a-boo, dead, you're dead, all the way down the hallway into the study when Julie seen the girl, little girl with her friend's severed head. She screamed down was in shock in shock to think that Ouija board of all about this terror that he witnessed before this his very eyes. Then the little girl tossed the two figures of it into onto the Ouija board and what said Peekaboo you're dead the dark figure with the axe chased uh, Julia Darren down the hallway and cornered them both at the end of the hallway where they both met their fate. A little girl laughed over and was over and said, Peek-a-boo, you're dead. When the sun came up, the next morning, Darren, Julie and Stacy and Tom's beds were untouched. Their parents called the police to report them missing. The police didn't know where to look. The police didn't have to look far, very far because their parents knew exactly where they were going to hang out on Halloween night when the police arrived at the plantation and entered the study with their flashlights beaming all around them. They got the shock of their lives. Darren, Tacey and John, several heads were placed around the Ouija board. Officers heard a faint voice saying, Peek-a-boo, they're dead, followed by a little girl's laugh. A police searched top to t- bottom for the plantation, but could not find a trace of the little girl or dark figure that was carrying the axe It was responsible for the teenager's death. After an intensive investigation of who and what it could have brutally killed those innocent teenagers, the investigation had to be The dead, following the dental girls out, the police searched the top and the bottom of the plantation, but they could find no trace of a little girl or dark fellows that were carrying an axe that was responsible for teenage death. After intense investigation of the who or what could be brutally killed these provincial teenagers, the investigation had to be called off. And to this day, the four teenagers. Uh, The fourteen years who lost their lives on the Halloween night at the old plantation is still unsolved and will be just another ghost story we talk about. <laughs>